The Coffee Podcast is sponsored by KitchenAid, whose craft coffee line is changing the way coffee is brewed at home. KitchenAid worked with baristas and coffee experts to engineer a new line of coffee brewers. The KitchenAid Precision Press Coffee Maker enhances the classic French press brewing method with an integrated scale and timer to precisely brew a bold, full-bodied cup of coffee. KitchenAid. Life tastes better with coffee. You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. My name is Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. Wes brings the quality. And Jesse brings the cafe. Welcome back to The Coffee Podcast. We're glad to have you joining in from all around the world. Last week, we covered KitchenAid's entire craft coffee line. If you're looking for a jazzy time, go back and listen to that interview. We covered the entire line, and we interviewed two of the main guys on the project there, um, as Wes would say, with their boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I would say that. (laughs) You would. would. I just wanted to say it for you. That's right. And today, we're drinking decaf. What? (laughs) excuse me that's right there is a saying out there and it goes like this death before decaf death well i say to you death before death before decaf i think the saying needs to you know die here we go maybe die is a harsh word maybe it needs to poof i think it just needs to poof out of existence why does this mantra still exist well, Wes, why don't you tell us from a quality standpoint why decaf coffee is important? Decaffeinated coffee beans do not start out lacking in caffeine. These beans go through the same growing processes, the same picking processes, the same processing processes. How many processes as- <laughs> are there? <laughs> There's a bunch. And let me tell you, it's, it's identical to the way... Most of us all enjoy our, in quote, specialty coffee. There's nothing different about decaf coffee. There's nothing about, I mean, there's, no, there's nothing different about the ingoing green that it makes them right. any less of a coffee bean. Sure, sure. That is my big catch-all. I think the fact that all coffee starts out caffeinated and it is all treated the same, the only way decaffeination coffee exists is through an exterior force known as a decaffeination processing plant which people will literally bring in coffee full of caffeine full of all those goodies and they'll take the caffeine out they'll strip it of caffeine now there are a few ways to do that uh, there's, there's, oh, and I'll just name the, the common ones. The first off, it. there's a methylene chloride. That's a very common one. And it's a solvent. And this solvent powder gets mixed in with water. And what it does is it ex- extracts all of the caffeine out of the bean. Because at this point, you know, the beans are very soft and um, kind of spongy. And it just sucks all the caffeine out. And... You know, the water dries, the solvent dries, and all the caffeine actually turns into this this powder, which is then sold to companies like Coca-Cola 
and energy drinks, and they actually sell the powdered, powdered form of caffeine to some of your favorite, you know, soda producers. Boom. That's oh, crazy man. cool. That's crazy cool, That's for one. That's crazy hit. Two, methylene chloride, when cupped, can actually add brightness and acidity to a coffee that really didn't have it to begin with. So we're looking at a coffee that was, eh, not, I mean, it was about an 80 when it went in. But when it comes out, it's stripped of caffeine, and it might be cupping closer to an 82, 83. Nice, bright, and acidity. I'm down with acidity. I don't know about you guys. I like a good little coffee with acidity. Yeah, depend, Yeah, totally. Depends on what I'm in the mood for. Okay, now let me hit another one. And this is one of my favorite types of decaffeination coffee. And that is ethyl acetate. Now, the ethyl acetate solution actually comes from cane sugar. So picture a solvent that comes from sugar. What do you think it does to those coffee beans? I mean... It sweetens them up. I'm telling you. You have an ethyl acetate, decaf Ethiopian, decaf Colombian, and there's literally no distinction in cup. Sometimes, in fact, in many cases, the decaf coming out of one of these decaffeination plants tastes better than the Colombian or Ethiopian going in because of this added sweetness and this added acidity. Well, the coffee you were drinking now, Wes, was what process? This was a decaf Colombian, and it was the ethyl acetate processed. Yeah, and it, it is incredibly sweet and tasty. Right. And it's not going to keep me up all night, but that's beside the point. It's definitely not going to keep us up all night, but I'll tell you one thing. It tastes just like a very sweet... It almost tastes better than a normal Colombian. And, well... Yeah, I mean, that'd be going some, pretty far. In some cases, in some yeah, cases, for sure. I would even say, to to some degree, that we're you know uh, we're drinking a coffee. It does smell different. Mm-hmm. Definitely smells different. It has like mm-hmm. that barbecue ish somewhat yeah. smell. You could kind of not like not a smoky. Don't. It's a tangy. Yeah, it's a it's tang. like a tangy, orangey flavor yeah. smell. Yeah, barbecue is a little strong thing to say. For so me, that's but. ethyl acetate. Super interesting. Um, and then we have the Swiss water, which is very well known uh, in the coffee industry as being the only organic certified process. Well, I'll tell you why. That's because if you have an organic ingoing green and it gets touched by methylene chloride or ethyl acetate, it loses its organic certification because it's now in contact with, you know, a solvent. But Swiss water, knowing that, went in with an all-natural approach using right. a water decaffeination process coined by the, the Switzerland company down there. Yeah, it started in Switzerland, and, it's get, and that's where it gets its name. It's called other things, too. Um, yeah. For example, uh, what is it? Activated charcoal, charcoal yeah. method as well. And that produces some pretty good cupping coffee as well. Now, I just want to say, you get out of it what you put into it. What do you say mean? that again. I, yeah, what do you mean, though? What you get out of a decaffeinated coffee is directly dependent on what you put into the decaffeination plant. So maybe the reason decaf gets such a bad rep is the fact that the only times we've tried decaffeinated coffee, it has been a low-grade coffee, decaffeinated, then roasted to a dark profile, and served up in some Fetco brewer that resulted in a cup that smelled like burnt hair, tasted like tire spin-off, 
and Tucker's left us still grumpy, dust. still grumpy and groggy in the morning. Now, I could see how that does not sound very appealing. But I also want us to think about all the coffee industry has to offer, especially the specialty coffee sector. Many of you out there know exactly the type of quality of coffee we can get our hands on. And when you allow Arabica coffee beans of a high quality and a high cup profile to go through some of these processes, and I'm going to just stick with my two favorite, ethyl acetate and Swiss water, the resulting cup, and I kid you not, will truly satisfy your palate. Now here leads us to another thing. This is kind of what it all boils down to. Decaffeinated coffee is not inferior in quality to their caffeinated cousins. They're grown the same way, picked the same way, processed the same way. So why do they get such a bad rep? Good question. Here's another thing that it boils down to. Decaffeinated coffee can actually taste good, and in some cases, it can taste better than the ingoing Arabica coffee. And just just to talk a little about, about this, I want to talk about our experiences with decaffeinated coffee. The first time I cupped a decaf, like a true decaf light roast, was incredible. It tasted like sweet apple cider with a tingly, effervescent acidity, and it finished off with a sweet body aftertaste. Does that sound bad to you at all? No. 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 It, it, you know, it sounds pleasing. In fact, if I were to read those on a bag of coffee, I would say, hmm, this sounds enjoyable. Here's another story. And this one is almost, this was from last week. Last week, when Jesse came down for the podcast, oh, I brewed no. up a mystery cup of coffee. Oh, no, you can't tell this story. I brewed up a mystery cup of coffee. And I served it to Jesse. Let it cool. He smelled it. He tasted it. And what was the first thing that came out of your mouth? I don't, I, it wasn't disgust. I enjoyed the coffee. No. The first thing that came out was, this is the best Indonesian coffee I've ever had. <laughs> and it was he, not from Indonesia. Yeah, he had me guessing. He had me guessing, so I had to guess. This is the best Indonesian coffee I've ever had. And I said, <laughs> okay. You're wrong, for one. I said that. I was like, you're wrong. Two, when he, I kind of, I dropped a little bit of a hint. I was like, you know, it kind of smells like barbecue And then the light bulb went off and you then realized it was a decaffeinated yeah. coffee. What was your thoughts then? I, yeah, I was, I mean, I was surprised. I, I was kind of surprised because, you know, I also have had really delicious uh, decaf, you know, down at Coffee Fest in Dallas mm-hmm. this year. There was some really good Swiss water decaf. Amazing. Yeah, um, it didn't even taste, it tasted just like. Yeah, it it tasted yeah, really it tasted yeah. really good. I mean, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. The, back to the point of saying like death before decaf. Well, go on. What were you, you're talking about? The decaf I brewed for you. Oh, it was it was tasty. Yeah, it was good. It was sweet. It's the same one I'm drinking now. Same one we're drinking now. So it's. Uh, I mean, I really like it. And being somebody who loves to drink coffee all day long, and I truly do. I'm not. I don't just drink it for the caffeine. Yeah. Um, it's nice to have something at night that's not gonna keep you up. So. Yeah. Um, frankly. And then here brings me to another point. Decaffeinated coffee will have its place in the specialty coffee sector. 
as more roasters embrace these truths about their decaf. Right. You know? No, no. When they they realize that this is what decaf is and this is what it can produce, they are going to desire a better tasting, quality coffee that can shine in their coffee shops and on their online retail shelves. I'm telling you this. It's going to happen. But I'm telling you what's going to re- what's going to inhibit that from happening or take longer for this to come into effect is this mantra death before decaf is actually doing more harm than it is good. And Wes, what what would you say is kind of your like conclusion over the conversation of death before decaf from the quality side? You know, it just brings me to ask the question is caffeine the sole reason for our coffee consumption without the caffeine content would you even like to drink coffee i want you to think about that and this is the main point which is what i don't understand is that i drink coffee to enjoy coffee for the flavor for the experience and for the community that surrounds this industry. Yeah, and, and I would even argue there's nothing wrong with enjoying the caffeine. There's nothing wrong with saying, man, I need something to help me wake up this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the extreme opposite that that we are arguing against, which is death before decaf. <laughs> and I it's have, gotta go. It's, it's gotta go. It's gotta die. So let me, Wes, let me go ahead and kind of tackle the cafe side because we only just talked about the literally just the quality side. That's Wes right. was only talking about uh, why, from a quality perspective, decaf is important, why it's valuable. Yep. There's a whole another slew of reasons when you start talking about the cafe, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk about the major point in all of this, which is going to be hospitality. If anything, hospitality. What I mean is, and you already know where I'm going with this. Mm. People want decaf. Why do you say it like that? People, <laughs> people want decaf, and uh, the t- the truth of the matter is, like, why? How could you ever tell somebody no at the counter if if you can do something for them? It's it doesn't make sense to me. Um, some people literally can't consume caffeine, and they want coffee. And my question to those of you who are saying death before decaf, and actually applying that mindset, because some some people are just saying it. Um, but if you really kind of, you know, saying this um, and you're embracing that idea, like what about the people who can't drink caffeine and who genuinely enjoy drinking a decaf cup of coffee? Uh, and with all that in the context of the quality side of what Wes was talking about, there is good decaf out there. Why aren't we serving these people who can't drink caffeine or who are pregnant and don't want to drink caffeine right. or all these others? situations that might come about why are we serving them anything less than delicious decaf coffee or why are we saying no sorry we don't do that here shops do that and if you're one of the shops that do that i really want you to question yourself um in in your i'm gonna call it you know the specialty morale like why would you tell somebody no why would you have that over them to say no we don't serve decaf would you rather have a tea and if you can't find a good decaf like let us you know pm us or something and we will get good decaf in your hands right wes like wes knows good decaf and we can get that in your hands anyway uh let me move on 
This idea also props baristas to be disrespectful to those who want decaf. So as it is, and you can go back and listen to our Coffee Snob episode, Mm -hmm. but it positions baristas to be opposed to people who are going to come to the shop and ask for decaf. Like I know for a while, even myself, like when I was really into like specialty coffee and the taste of coffee and yada, yada, I only knew really bad decaf. And so when somebody would come and order a decaf, I would kind of have that snobby sort of background feeling of like rolling my eyes and be like, Oh, are you serious? You Mm. want a decaf? Like, you know, I got to adjust my EK and go pull one for Mm -hmm. you. Like, you know, there's not high enough demand a lot of the time to even serve somebody uh, a good decaf. And if you don't position yourself in a good hospitality as a cafe, so, but it's disrespectful and it poses you to be that way towards people who, you know, might really have health problems and they just want to enjoy a cup of coffee. Right. Uh, And again, should we rob them of that? I would say absolutely no. Um, And a point that Wes has already covered, good decaf is good. Good. It's not bad. I'm sitting down right now recording this podcast, enjoying a a Colombian decaf coffee. I'm really enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it for the sake of making a point. I am Mm -hmm. actually enjoying this cup of coffee. Um, And so, again, if you're buying bad decaf or preparing it poorly, that's on you. Right. That's on you and your shop. And and you guys have to, you're going to have to think of it differently. There's good decaf out there. And while most of it smells like barbecue... It actually tastes quite nice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and it doesn't always smell like barbecue. That's usually just the methylene chloride side that really gives it a barbecue smell. Back into that quality conversation. Right. I love it. It's all it's all together. And this really goes back into all the hands. The idea that this coffee started on a farm and people harvested this coffee and they worked hard over this coffee and they sweated over this coffee. And if you're buying a specialty grade green coffee and you're decaffeinating it, and then you're roasting it properly, it can be delicious. 100%. And that is what your guests deserve when they walk in the door and want decaf, the best that you can give them. And if you're not willing to do that, I would question whether or not you're really a specialty coffee shop. Hmm. Or specialty coffee roaster. Yeah. Or or specialty... I I mean, yeah, I guess you could go back and back. I... You know, I'm going to end it with my PowerPoint. Are you really going to tell your grandma no? Hey, and think about that. Think about that. Are you really going to tell her no? Let's think about that. No, but seriously, it deserves more thought because hospitality doesn't end at the word decaf. And in a way, the death before decaf, kind of how I think about it, it secludes and it targets only one group of people. And those groups of people are the ones that can consume caffeine. I mean, literally people who are not able to drink caffeine have been shunned. They're not allowed to join the specialty coffee club. I mean, we are hating on decaf. Therefore, we are not embracing other people and their their health, right? We're not embracing and taking into account that some people really can't drink caffeine and by doing that we're we're almost eliminating people from the specialty coffee sector and not just that but we're keeping the specialty coffee sector from moving forward we're keeping the specialty coffee from embracing and adapting and improving itself into that decaffeinated realm think about if every single coffee shop you went into they had 
a EK-43 or, you know, a Malconic Peak or some sort of dedicated grinder to a responsibly sourced, responsibly purchased, high-cupping, high-quality coffee that was roasted to an optimal level and pulled amazing shots of coffee in espresso or on filter. Right. How many other people we could reach with specialty coffee. I, I, I absolutely And how that would that. move the specialty coffee industry even further along down the road and of being hospi- hospitable I, yeah. and all the hands that are involved, not only in the growing and the processing, but also in the hands of the consumer and, and uh, you know, the rest of the people in the industry. I absolutely agree. And one thing I really want to kind of back up and say, too, is if you don't serve decaf in your coffee shop, I won't... I'm not demonizing you. I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, if you don't serve decaf, you're not doing your due diligence because decaf can be very expensive. And if you're a small shop and you don't have high volume and there's not a lot of people ordering decaf, it's going to be really difficult to maintain that quality. So I would say in those situations offering a, a you know, a decaf tea that's going to sit better and longer than an expensive decaf that just sits on your shelf is an argument that that's really the only argument I think would work for not serving decaf in a shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and final point in the hospitality realm, if you're going to serve decaf, do it like you're pulling your favorite espresso, do it like you're, you're, you're doing a pour over of your favorite coffee mm-hmm. from your favorite mm-hmm. region. Treat it like you would everything else that you really take pride Absolutely. in. You should take pride in, in, in all that you do. In all that you do, yeah. yeah. And uh, we kind of talked about that in tea not long ago on an episode. But this time it's decaf. Take pride in your decaf and be excited when you get to pull those shots and when you get to make the, the decaf for them. And if you're not happy with how you're doing it, then make a point to say, hey, we need to change how we're doing this. Boom. Now for some breaking news. The most dangerous cup of coffee in the world, according to Alexandra Wexler on the Wall Street Journal. You guessed it, folks. The Democratic Republic of Congo has made the list for being the most dangerous coffee in the world. Now, it could be due to the fact that it is a war-torn region with hardly any infrastructure, but that doesn't necessarily make it the most dangerous. What makes it dangerous is that people put themselves in a position of danger in order to acquire this cup of coffee. I'm going to read you some quotes. Quote, Congo is one of the last frontiers in a global scramble for the world's best tasting coffee, end quote. Now it was also mentioned in this article by Judge Beth Ann Kasperson as, quote, being the highest rated brew in one round of competition, end quote. It is also important to note the fact that, in quotes, the rise in demand for specialty coffee, which accounts for one of every two cups sold in the United States, has encouraged exporters, roasters, and retailers to go to places where the potential is huge, and so are the risks, end quote. Well, Wes, this really does kind of even go off our point on, you know, decaf, like just a little bit. Yeah. In that specialty coffee is all about pushing all 
pieces of the industry all frontiers all frontiers of the industry pushing them um for all all for the sake of quality Mm -hmm. and this is driving producers or driving you know people looking for great coffee unique coffee to places in the world that are just flat out dangerous and the congo is one of those places you're looking at you know central africa right where you know it's a dangerous place It's torn by civil war yeah it's torn by civil war i mean yeah and and you were just telling me yesterday, I maybe even on the podcast about Congo coffee being like, what were you saying? Oh, I'm saying that the Congo coffee is literally about to break headlines. I mean, it has, in my opinion, outcupped some top top Kenyans. And for those who haven't tried a, a coffee from the DRC, please try to get your hands on some of this stuff. It is going to be an up and coming. Uh, specialty coffee treasure piece i mean it's like the geisha before geisha was geisha the geisha before geisha was geisha can i quote you on that i don't please, even know what that really please means do. it means like this is a coffee that when it is truly discovered could probably go for the highest amount of money on the market now Wes, you it's incredible you roasted some congo last week mm-hmm. but what what makes congo coffee or the congo you had what made it so tasty what made it so unique Outside of it being the most, you know, you know, according to this article, the most dangerous coffee in the world. I would say it has something to do with the uh, loads of enormous effervescent acidity. I mean, more acidic than your Kenya AAs, your Kenya Microlots. I mean, this Congo is truly one of the most acidic coffees I've had. But it's not just the acidity that... Uh, these coffee cuppers are falling in love with it's the equally matched amount of sweetness as well so if you can imagine a coffee being a 10 in acidity you know it's also riding with a 10 in sweetness and they are both so extreme on the palate it doesn't really take one away from the other usually you have a coffee that's kind of sweet or usually you have a coffee that's acidic well this congo is both it is has a bunch of sweetness underlying sweetness and it has a bunch of acidity and not just does it have those cup characteristics which are uh, above the norm in my opinion but these characteristics are very easy to pinpoint flavor profiles i mean a lot of the time you will pick up you know apple you will pick up these um you know peachy semi-stone fruit flavors as well with these more complex sugar browning flavors. And it really results in a cup that is going to have you shaking your head in disbelief, like, wow, and I can't believe how good this coffee is. Well, I think Congo coffees are going to be really unique in general. I, I don't know, outside of tasting the one that you roasted, if I've ever even had a coffee from the Congo. Not to mention, you know, this is starting to really rise in a time where uh, the market is getting tighter, right? Where Brazil is in a drought. And uh, we see that uh, Brazil's kind of like, I mean, what's going on there, right? There's something going on there with Brazil having a, a drought and coffee prices. and Yeah, I mean, they have a total um, total upswing on the rally, which is increasing coffee prices. I mean, we are at the highest coffee level we've been since February of 2015. Uh, we are, our coffee levels are, are quite high right now. Um, 
So what were you saying? Well, as yeah, far as no, I'm saying as far as, you know, this dangerous coffee is going, supply is in a sense increasing, mm-hmm. right? We have coffee from the Congo, coffee from, you know, all different parts of the world and ever all, all the time increasing. And then on top of it, you have the market squeezing or tightening and in, in spots like Brazil where there's a drought and there's shortages in, yeah. in these other producing countries. Sure. Um, you know, and the fact that the the global consumption of coffee is increasing as the supply or the demand is increasing for coffee as its supply is weakening, which is another reason why these exporters, these roasters, these um, retailers are going into this dangerous country such as the DRC. It's to find the next supply to, you know, provide for the demand. Right. And, I, th- I think in general, when we're looking at the market, when we're looking at the overall market itself, you you see Brazil shrink, you see the Congo increase, or you start to see Congo. Like the coffee industry is just so complex, and oh, and it's changing all the time. And even more so, like we even read, you know, we and Wes and I read uh, Bloomberg articles sometimes, and we read about how people are even drinking coffee at a younger and younger age. Like it used to be like people would start around 17 years old and now they're starting like 14 and all the while they were drinking more than ever before. And so the supply chain, the supply and demand of coffee is really crazy Mm -hmm. and changing all the time. And specialty coffee is only driving, I think, that demand higher and higher. All that being said, get your hands on some Congo because it's going to be the next big thing. All that said, death before half-calf. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where focus is people and our language is coffee. Happy brewing.